Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast Genesis Invitational Round 1 Instant Recap and looking ahead to Round 2. And to join me, I've brought in Mark Immelman, who's giving us a Michael Jordan flu game right now. Mark, welcome. Hope you're feeling well. I don't think you are. <laughs> I'm doing okay. I mean, I got to lie in bed the entire day with the PGA Tour Live and then the Golf Channel on, and I was getting live tweeted by you from the golf course so all's good I, I had a day full of golf albeit that i wasn't at the golf course thanks there you go technology allows us to uh keep track of everything that was going on and yeah speaking of which i was at first things first i was at riviera uh this morning for the first time i was there mark it was it was very it was very romantic it was pitch black at six o'clock this morning only the lights of the scoreboard and as the sun came up uh riviera is super impressive what a course they have over there uh it's one of the best in the pga tour i mean everything about it's except for the drive in there down uh sunset boulevard that's a bit of a traffic nightmare but once you get on the grounds uh, the clubhouse all the all, all the mem- memorabilia and such in there and then you look over this valley and then the the holes sort of go down into the valley and come back and and there's so many great holes and it's always in great shape and and the field was stellar and, and it must have been a great spot to be i was envious of you man <laughs> there are so many great uh sight lines and actually our our guy uh Will Haskett on on PGA Tour Radio he actually made a comment that the defense at Riviera is the design which I kind of like chewed on that for a second and I was like that's a great way to describe it because there was not a a breath of wind out there today and and Mark there's still numbers lurking out there if you hit it in the wrong spot which i think is a testament to a really well-designed golf course it certainly is and and i'll go along with what will said there he's obviously been around the block some and been to some great courses um all the greats in my opinion have undulation as defense and, and riviera certainly does and you've got the influence of the sixth hole that's the lowest part of the property and everything flows in that direction towards the pacific ocean the greens are small and they play smaller because of all the undulation. The fairways have movement to them. So you've got to drive the ball into an area, not just into the fairway. And so you're right. There aren't many penalty areas on the golf course. I think, um, I think I can think of one like uh, water has one penalty area off the top of my head and then that barranca that runs through the property. But otherwise it just slopes and slopes. And if you get on the wrong side of a slope, the ball tends to want to roll down a hill and then it never ends in the best places ever. So it's a, it's a great spot and the greens are fast and, and there's just so many good holes about them. There's never a free, um, a free shot around Riviera. You've got to have your wits about you the entire time. Yeah, it, it was really something. So let's let's jump into this because there are, as you mentioned, the field is absolutely stacked. There's a ton of guys here and through 18 holes, 
uh, a familiar name, you know, one of the bigger players on tour, Matt Kuchar, there's a household name for you, is leading the way, shooting 64 and three shots clear of the field. Now, uh, he did it with the putter mark. He mm-hmm. gained over four strokes putting every time they showed him. Uh, he was draining another 35 footer, it feels like, but this was one, I mean, Kucher was even in his, uh, post round interview was kind of laughing about all the putts that went in for him today. But still, the thing about what he did was he putted in a place where, or he put his approach shots, I should say, in a place where he could putt aggressively. You know, not only all five footers are the same around Riviera or certain courses like Augusta National or Pale Beach or some of these venues. So he didn't he hit the irons. Okay, he was 14 of 18 greens, but every time he was able to putt, he was able to putt aggressively, and, and that was the key to the round. Obviously put the ball in play off the tee, which is a must-do around there. And from there, just constructed a very good round and was typically Matt Kucha. And it was at a place in Riviera that welcomes that sort of an approach to the game. Which is interesting because he's played here quite a bit, but hasn't had a ton of success. It's not like he's gone out and missed a bunch of cuts. But in his, I believe it's 13 career starts here at Riviera, he's got three top 10, uh, three top 20s. One top 10. This is, I believe, by far the best round he's ever, uh, he's ever posted here. So, I mean, it was all around a good day. We'll see if he can, if we can keep it going. Well, truth of Matt Kuchar, he's been a bit of a renaissance man here over the last few years. Um, he, he had that instance a couple of years ago when he missed the tour championship for the first time ever, I think in a, a long time. And, and he said, he, he set himself the goal of not doing that again. And he comes out and he has a few victories early, wins at Mayakobo, wins at the Sony Open. And since then, he's coming in a year off a win out uh, um, in the Far East. I believe it might have been Singapore. Uh, and so he's playing well and he's striking the ball well and he's he's doing Matt Kucha things. And, and, you know, when he gets to going, he can shoot some scores. For sure. This is uh, the first time he's led after the first round or co-led since the 2018 Mayakoba, which he closed out. So we will see if he can continue that and make it two in a row this week. Uh, the host, Tiger Woods, uh, this was, this might take a while. There was a, this was kind of a tale of two nines for Tiger, but let's start with the front nine. He goes out and immediately makes Eagle on one mark and he throws a dart on two, which is one of the harder holes on the golf course. And uh, I'm foaming at the mouth at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, before that even, did you see, I mean, this was typical, you know, golf always has this element of destiny to me. And and if you really get beyond the the, the Kyle Porter numbers, you know, there are all sorts of storylines that are hanging around in, in sort of the atmosphere. And that eagle putt that he made on the first came from 24, uh, 24 feet and eight inches now they were tributing Kobe the entire, have been the entire week. And the first one he drains is from Kobe's two numbers, which I thought was pretty sweet. Yeah. And to do that in LA is about as cool as it gets. And Tiger, I mean, really looked uh, awesome through the first nine holes here. He, he goes out, he makes another birdie on five. He makes a birdie on eight. He makes the turn in 31. And, uh, honestly, the, the, the sports books are dropping his number like crazy. They do not want to get burned on this. And then all of a sudden things get a little loose mark on the back nine. He hits one fairway. He's got a case of the lefts. 
I mean, what happened? This is this is really was a, a a tale of two nights. Well, what sort of happened was what we have talked about as we've set up this event. You've got to drive the ball in play. And on the front side, he was super with a driver. He hit the ball exactly where he was looking. His timing was there. The cadence of the swing was there. The poise, the balance, it was all on point. And then the backside, you get asked some serious questions going from number 12 on. 12 is just a mean path four. 13 is equally as nasty, 14 is not an easy par 3, 15 is a beast, 18 is a beast. And you have to drive the ball well, especially on 12 and 13. And he was tripped up on 13, hooked one left, uh, 12, he fanned one off to the right but got a little fortunate. So he started to get that two-way miss going. And when you've got that happening around Riviera, you are going to struggle. The good news, though, um, as you look at this, because I had spoken with the HQ guys earlier in the week, and they said, well, make the case for Tiger winning. And I was like, he's got to put these Poanio greens well, and he did. All that left him a little bit was the driver of the final nine. Now, it was also a tough period coming in there because it gets cold quickly, as you know, over there when yep. the sun goes down. So then all of a sudden it gets cold, the body gets a bit tight, especially if you're 40 years plus like me and Tiger. And and so then the swing's not as fluid. And then a lot of folks are, are scrambling to try and get out of there because of the traffic. They want to get home in due time. And so it's kind of weird. It's like the end of the circus uh, procession, you know, where you left there to just pick up the uh, elephant poop and such. And And that's what it felt like for those guys in the feature groups. It got all quiet. The fans left. It started getting dark. The holes were mean. So there was a little bit of that on the go for Woods too. But the good news is he got in with a round under par. I think he would have bought that if you sold it to him. Yeah. And he's got something to go and play with on some fresh greens tomorrow morning. Yeah, I think that's, I think that is exactly my takeaway is if you would have, if you, if you would have asked Tiger, Hey, how does two under sounds on round one here going out in the afternoon with whatever Poe, you know, Poe might do to you. And I think you would have taken it. And I think that has to be the takeaway. And, uh, speaking of moving forward for Tiger, even just outside of this week, there's so many other storylines. There's 83 looming. There is kind of like this new schedule and WGC Mexico. We don't know if he's going to play Mexico. He's got to decide by tomorrow, so I guess we're going to find out soon. 5 p.m. Eastern, we'll know. Uh, you know what? I'm Jack because I'm on the uh, crew down in Mexico for PGA Tour Live. And last year, I was on the call there when he hit that freaking unreal bunk, fairway bunker shot on the ninth hole. He's 18th on a, I think it was the Saturday afternoon, where this thing curved 30 yards from no lie around a tree, hit the green, juke to the right in there tight. Uh, I called it the shot of the tournament and the year and 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 the crowds went bananas. So I, I'm I'm hoping he commits and goes back. It'd be cool. Yeah, I've seen that replay uh, about a thousand times. So rooting for him to get back down there in Mexico for you. Now uh, he played with Justin Thomas today, who did not have it. I mean, I think that's putting it putting it very nicely. Producer Jacob has dubbed this his most disappointing round of the day. Uh, and when producer Jacob says it, it must be true. Everything went wrong for for JT today. Well, you've heard of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Jacob, right? The fifth. <laughs> so Jacob says it's true. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it was odd because he came out and he birdied the first. Uh, hardworking birdie at that. But then Two, he doesn't a good tee shot, hits one way right up, up on the hill, makes double. And from then, you could just see he was sort of out of his, his comfort zone, which was odd because yeah. he played with Woods that much. But he just looked like he was trying to force the issue. He had the driver going in two directions. 
he battled back in the back nine, but it was still pedestrian at best. So, I mean, it was surprising. I expected Justin at a course where he's played well to come out here and play well, but I have a feeling there was a little bit of the Tiger Woods thing going on there to Justin Thomas and, and I might take some Twitter heat for this, but, but I really do. It looked like he was really trying to force the issue a bit too much. Yeah, this is uh, honestly, it's quite, it's a historically bad round for JT. He lost strokes in all four of the strokes gained categories. And I was rifling through my database on this to find any other time he would have done this. And it marks the fourth time in only 208 measured rounds. So, I mean, this is a rare thing for JT. I, I'm very interested to see how he bounces back from that because a lot of times it's, hey, if one thing's going wrong, I can kind of jump over to the range, try to figure that out tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, everything went wrong for JT today. So I, I do kind of hope to your point, Mark, maybe it's just something bigger. Maybe it's a little nerves. Everything went wrong and he just is right back to being JT tomorrow. Well, let me hit you with some layman's golf statistics. Strokes <laughs> get one thing. Six of 14 fairways, you're playing defense. Yeah. Five of 18 greens in regulation. <laughs> Our buddies who play at the, the 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 public muni on the weekend, they'd be disappointed with five. <laughs> but, but, so it was an odd sort of of a performance. I'm prepared to call it an outlier and just toss it out. But he's going to have to do something special if he wants to see some weekend action uh, this year. He certainly is. Um, Rory McIlroy, who was in the group uh, that I followed for the most of the day, goes out and shoots a three under 68, two eagles, a birdie, two bogeys. Uh, I mean, Rory looked like he had everything under control. Uh, he always seems to do that. Uh, but what I want to ask you about, Mark, is I want to get your thoughts on his round, but specifically about the first hole because I was there watching it. Yeah. Um, he starts on 10, which is that short drivable par four, and he flies it on the green and he lands it in the back bunker, leaves it in the bunker, and then gets up and down for par, which to me was like already on hole number one, he has kind of averted disaster. And I wanted to get your thoughts on how important it is to walk away with par on 10 and not have turned that into a really big number. That was huge. I was watching that on PGA Tour Live and I thought exactly the same thing. Um, where that hole was cut today, anything in the middle, the back portion of the green, everything tilts away from the fairway and that back bunker tilts away from play. So anything in there runs up against the back lip. And, and, and the lip of the bunker you saw was a good three, maybe four feet high in front. Yeah. And Rory had the thing close up against there, nearly pulled it off. But when he didn't, uh-huh. this could be disastrous and gets out there, holds like a six or seven footer for a par. And, and I think that was big. He, he made a bogey on 12, his third hole. But from then, he looked solid. He had some quality shots, made a few nice saves. But then the eagle on 17 and the eagle on one, that kind of catapulted what was, in my opinion, a pretty average day for Rory into a really solid score. Yeah, I, I think we're going to look back and uh, look at those eagles because if they're if they're just birdies and this is one under, that's fine. Uh, but three under with two eagles, Rory solidified right there in the top ten. Just well, I mean, he's four shots back, but uh, you know, Kuchar's pretty clear on the rest of the field. I, I assume Rory's going to be making noise throughout the rest of the week. He will, and what he did was what he did in Torrey Pines, and he spoke of it afterwards. You know, Rory to me was always the guy that the score that he signed for was probably the highest score he was going to shoot on the day. Right? Yeah. In Torrey Pines, he battled out a top three, I think it was, top four, 
with no game. He said so afterwards. He goes, I didn't hit it well. I just, this was pure grind. He did it again today. And every great champion, every major champion, yes, I've said it, they will take their bad day and they will get out with something respectable. McElroy did that today. Uh, I think that's a great point. He signs a lot of cards that are the highest score he could have taken. Uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, now the number two player in the world, Mark, uh, starts his round on 10 as well. He makes bogey on 10 right out of the gate, and that's the only bogey he makes all day. He offsets it with three birdies to come in at two under 69. This to me was like the quietest two under 69 of the day. He was just hanging around, taking advantage of, of uh, opportunities when they came to him, signs for a 69, and he lives the fight another day. I'm looking through the, uh, again, we've talked about the value of playing well off the tee here, and I'm looking through the holes played. Fairway missed on one left, fairway missed on right, uh, uh, two right, three right, four missed left, five, uh, seven right, eight left, nine right. That's just on the front nine. There we go. Right, 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 left, right, right, left. <laughs> that sounds like my, that's, that's my play by play you're looking at, Mark. I wonder what the health of his knee is. I really do. I, I'm, I, I understand that there's some rust. This is his first start and such. But when you've got a two-way miss going on and he hits the thing predominantly from left to right, that is how it goes. And when you're pulling that fade and then all of a sudden you're overfading the thing, it's hard to aim. And so it, it's it, – thankfully – he was out early, so he would have had some time to go and work on this on the range and tighten it up for tomorrow because at least he's got some speed regimens to kind of go back on because in practice and in play are two different things. So maybe they could go and iron out the, the issues there knowing what he was feeling out there on the course, but that two-sided miss is a dangerous deal. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. Um, someone who often misses two ways, Phil Mickelson, although he hits bombs, uh, Mark, uh, ends up shooting a 72-1 over par. He hit a long 333-yard drive. He had 100 people looking for his ball on number three, and they still couldn't find it. I mean, that's a full day for Phil Mickelson. I didn't see you in the TV gallery looking for his golf ball over there. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I didn't have a bet on him this week, so I, I was the one just standing on his ball saying, "Uh, no, I don't know where it's at. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it." Phil, <laughs> yeah, four birdies, two doubles, one bogey. Um, you know, it was it was either sheer brilliance or sheer catastrophe. It was typically Phil, and that's why we love him. Um, I, I, there, there was enough good. Um. You know, because he had to get by the caddy issue today. He had uh, Andrew Getz and his coach on the bag. And and I don't care who you are. That's a change in rhythm. That's a change in pace. He had to do some of his own yardages. So that gets you sort of off your kilter some. So so I'm sure he'll be okay tomorrow because to me, even despite the two double bogeys, there was enough good there for Phil to get out and shoot something under par tomorrow and get himself into the weekend. I'm glad you you touched on the caddy thing because I wanted to ask you about that and, and find out how big of a deal it is. Uh, by the way that you kind of described that, it is a big deal to have a new caddy on your bag. Well, here's how it goes. You know, if you're playing well, it's not a big deal. If you're playing badly, it's a big deal. It's one of those sorts of things because yeah. – if you're playing badly, you're grinding, the timing's off, there's bunker raking, there's all this other sort of stuff, you know, there's looking for golf balls, there's changing golf balls, and, and that's where the guy who gets you, the guy who knows your time, the guy who knows your mannerisms out there in between the ropes, they're gonna get you, alright? 
But if I'm first time on the bag and Phil's all over the joint and I've got to wreck bunkers and, and uh, clean golf balls and stuff, it's hard. So I feel for Andrew Sim. He knows him well, but in between the ropes is a different deal to on the driving range. Um, so in, anyhow, uh, it's it, it, it's a thing, and and, and I'm prepared to bl- not blame some, but ascribe some of that to uh, to just Phil being a little out of rhythm. I think. Okay. Uh, I got a great look at new Bryson today, Mark, and I can confirm. He is jacked. <laughs> you know what? You get the, you get those cut jacked guys. You know those guys yeah. that look like Adonis, and then you get the Thor looking dudes. And, and Bryson, look, I mean, he is massive. The the dude is just imposing. Yeah, quite quite so. And uh, something was working out there. Maybe it's the new body. He gained four point one strokes tee to green. He finishes. Uh, let's see, three under sixty eight. Impressive stuff, but what I did want to talk to you about, Mark, because ever since he's been going through this kind of body transformation, whatever you want to call it, his results have kind of been all over the place. He's had some good. He's had some really bad, everything in between, and I kind of wanted to just chat through – like to me – a body change is essentially a swing change because you're learning new distances. You're learning. Maybe you're not as flexible. Like it feels like it could take Bryson a long time to iron out whatever new Bryson is. Your take there, um, Rick, is spot on. You know, if I, I've worked with a number of players who are um, out of shape, let's call it, you know, a little <laughs> down. <laughs> and lose some weight and it just changes your timing. It changes the pace at which your body moves. Um, the club will even feel different in your hands because if you lose weight, your fingers feel thinner. If you, if you gain weight, your fingers feel a little, little fatter and that's where all the, the feel is. In fact, at Hogan's Alley here this week in Riviera, Ben Hogan used to drink ginger ale before the rounds of golf to make his fingers feel more thin just to help him garner some more feel. So, so yeah, this is a thing and, He's gained this immense speed and power off the tee, and it's something to behold. But by that token, then you've also got to be able to throw the the off-speed pitch. And whereas he's driving the thing just gargantuan distances, he's not capitalizing with a wedge play because he's not hitting them in there tight enough. So today was a real uptick in form around a tough golf course. It was playing hard too. So maybe this is Bryson sort of getting all of his variables that he talks about in a row now. What I uh, – I completely lost my train of thought on uh, on Bryson here. Oh, what I was going to say is especially for someone like Bryson who ha- is going through these – like Bryson is so exact and he thinks of everything. To go through something like, like – I feel like any grain of sand throws off the whole motherboard for, mm-hmm. for Bryson and he's got to recalculate everything. I can't even imagine what he's going through with this with this whole new body thing. Well, absolutely, because the data that they go through with, with, I'm partners with the guys at Flightscope and he works alongside them. I mean, the data that they're looking for and the stuff they're measuring when they, they, they're setting themselves up for tournaments and how the ball's flying and, and all the stuff, relative humidity, uh, you name it. I mean, it, it's stuff that's above my head. Uh, then to add in there, well, dang, my body moves differently, feels differently, and I've got this, uh, this, uh, this Hemi underneath the, underneath the hood now, which I never used to have. Yeah. You know, the first time I drove a fast car, you put your foot down, you, it sort of pulls away and you lose control of the thing. The golfers have some of that going on, you know? I love it. I love it. All right. I want to look ahead to round two, but before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. It's a really fine line creating 
workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out, viore.com slash first, and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. All right, we're back. Mark, a ton of great names here, a ton of storylines. I'm looking towards obviously Tiger's round tomorrow, getting out early. I mean, the Poa Greens in the morning should be running very pure. I'm excited to see if he can forget whatever he did on the back nine, missing all those fairways and get right back at it. What are you most looking forward to tomorrow? Well, I think the guys that got out this afternoon, I haven't seen the forecast for tomorrow. I'm expecting it's going to be more of the same. But but typically around a major championship-style course like Riviera, if you open up in the afternoon and you play well, you are in the pound seat. You've sort of you've sort of got the inside track because you come out the following morning, green's a bit more receptive. You can put something on the board because there is no doubt that the golf course did play a little more stout this afternoon than it did in the morning. The, the ball was sort of bouncing a bit more. This morning they were skidding some on the greens, but the ball was still stopping pretty well. So for me, it's the afternoon guys that made decent scores, Woods and company, uh, to see how they go and play tomorrow morning. Um, but then, you know, we've talked about it. I've said it. Rory's the, uh, the, the highest ranked dude coming in here. He's the favorite. He looked like the favorite today. Yeah. Shoot the lowest score, but it looked like it was so easy. And so I'm just keen to see how he gets by tomorrow afternoon because 
right now, he looks like Secretariat, just kind of cruising off the lead right now, and he's just waiting for the, the final turn to hit the gas. That's right. Yeah, he's he's in second gear. He's got a lot left to give. Um, I'm kind of interested to see. Well, first of all, we've got a couple of big names that are hovering around what the cut line is going to be. I mean, Justin Thomas is in a tie for 99th. DJ's on the outside looking in at the moment. Bubba's on the outside looking in. Like I, so I'm interested to see which one of those guys end up making the cut, playing the weekend, or slamming the trunk and heading home. But also, you mentioned you know Rory signing for the worst score he could have. I feel like Justin Rose kind of did the same thing today where he, he shot two under 69. Great. But he hit the stick, uh, his second on, on the par, par five late in the round, missed the Eagle putt from like 12 feet. He stuffed one on a par three, a few holes earlier, uh, almost went in. It rolls out to five feet. He misses that putt. Like this could have very easily been four or five under par for Justin Rose. And I'm wondering if he can kind of keep that going tomorrow. And that's a good call there. Um, he's played one event in the PGA tour in 2020 and there was a miscut down in Torrey and he looked sharp for someone who was likely run today. So yeah, he's, he's got that major championship sort of a demeanor. Um, the major championship kind of game where par is a good score. And we saw this afternoon how. Par around Riviera on that back nine, holes 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. You know, if you make pars over there, they're golden. So, and he's got that sort of a mindset about him where McElroy, on the other hand, can get a bit hemmed in. He can get a bit frustrated with a bit between the teeth. So, so Rose, I think, is also in good shape. I'm just keen to see how, uh, you know, after a day around there walking for the first time under pressure, you know, it takes its toll on the body. So I'm keen to see how he does tomorrow. I love it. All right, that'll do it. Mark, any uh, parting words before we uh, head out of here? Dude, I'm glad you give me this opportunity. I got to give you a platform. Because our producer Jake is looking on. Now, uh, you and I were at the bottom of our one-and-done league, you know, in the cellar over there. Yes, uh, I'm very aware. <laughs> so what I have done on my leaderboard is I've favorited who our league has picked this week. Right now, there's only two guys that are making the cut. That would be you and me with Patrick Cantlay. The rest of these fools are missing, so I hope it stays the same way. I like Jacob. I I love it. We can make up a lot of ground on these jabronis uh, this weekend if uh, only Cantlay is the one that can get through. Uh, all right, Mark, much appreciated. Hope you feel better. You can get Mark on Twitter. It's at Mark underscore Immelman. We're going to be back tomorrow, myself and Greg Ducharme, recapping round two of the Genesis Invitational. I'm Rick Gaiman. Hit me on Twitter at Rick Run Good, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>